sake, let's take a minute and give it up for podcasts. Am I right? Um, no, but seriously, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's literally the easiest way to make podcasts. So let me explain. One, it's free. Two, it literally gives you all the tools you need in order to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, which is amazing. Um, also, the best part, in my opinion, is that it'll distribute your podcast for you. So you can hear it on like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, literally anywhere you listen to podcasts. Pretty amazing, and you literally have to do nothing. The other thing is, you can make money from your podcast. There's no like minimum listenership required, so that's kind of cool. Um, But yeah, seriously, if you're like into podcasts and thinking about making one, I would check it out because it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Um, So yeah, go ahead, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What are you waiting for? Hey, thanks for tuning in. I'm Serena. I'm Victoria. And this is our podcast, Femme Noir. It's a podcast where we basically talk about movies centered around women. So we're going to talk about movies that are written by women, movies that are directed by women, or movies starring women. Hi, and welcome. I'm Serena. I'm Victoria. And this is Femme Noir, our podcast where we talk about movies that are centered around women, Um, We're going to be talking about movies that are written by, directed by, or starring women. Um, This is going to be episode two, and we're going to talk about how the season today. We will be giving our first impressions of the film based on the trailer and our first watch of the movie, then break down the film and discuss notable scenes, things that worked well or worked against the themes of the film. Then later, Serena will break down costuming and clothing style in a little fashion corner. Um, afterwards, we'll discuss if, how, and when the film passes the Bechtel test. And if you aren't familiar with the Bechtel test, then don't worry. I'll explain it more in detail later on. Finally, we'll give our final scores. Ten stars being a perfect film, needing no improvements. Five stars being a flawed movie, but still watchable to where if it came on again, we wouldn't mind it. Uh, one star being should have kept it in the drafts, um, should have kept it on the cutting room floor. And we'll end with similar movies that we would recommend if you enjoyed this movie and some other films by the director. <clears throat> so the movie we're discussing today is Happiest Season, as Serena mentioned, which came out last year in 2020, um, written by Clea Duvall and Mary Holland and directed by Clea Duvall. Um, the film stars Kristen Stewart as Abby, Mackenzie Davis as her love interest Harper, Dan Levy as John, and Aubrey Plaza as Riley. The film follows the protagonist, Abby, as she plans to propose to her girlfriend, Harper, while on Christmas holiday with Harper's family. However, her plans are upended when she discovers Harper has yet to come out of the closet to her conservative parents. Thank you, Letterboxd, for that synopsis. I've changed it just a little bit. (laughs) We'll start um, with first impressions. Um, I watched the trailer for this many times because I was excited and I really like Kristen Stewart. I don't know if you watched it, though. (laughs) I watched it a lot. I saw... All of the, or I guess like all the ads that I saw for it were from Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gotta be honest, I think their Instagram page did a great job with marketing. Like, they really knew what they were marketing, who their audience was. Like, I felt like, like, I was, I was pumped. I was so excited <laughs> to watch this movie. All my friends were excited to see it. My sister was excited to see it. We were all like, yes, when is this movie coming out? Um, I thought that the way that they did it was also really fun. Like, every time I saw a little clip or like a an Instagram post with like a caption it was always something really fun and interesting so I was pumped I also thought it was gonna be a really fun cute 
comedy fun movie <laughs> emphasis on fun i thought it was gonna be a lot of fun um it yeah. has fun parts in it but it is a little it gets kind of deep yeah it was pretty <laughs> sad yeah i was a little upset watching it a little pretty stressed out sad. yeah it was anxiety inducing for sure and then just so everyone knows this will contain spoilers if you oh, haven't yeah. watched the movie we're gonna talk 10, about thousand percent watch the movie before watching or listening to this podcast <laughs> yes <laughs> oh um, man yeah in the trailer and i also thought um that Aubrey Plaza was going to be in it a lot more. They adver- they heavy advertised her, and I love her too. So I thought she was. Gonna oh, interesting! It. I didn't get a lot of ads about Aubrey Plaza being in it. So when I watched the movie, I was like, "Oh my gosh, Aubrey Plaza!" <laughs> oh no way! Not on Instagram. I didn't see any on Instagram. Huh. Yeah, that's crazy. Maybe <laughs> it's our like knows algorithm. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I follow Aubrey. Love her. Yeah. My Instagram great. algorithm needs to give me more Aubrey Plaza, to be honest. And it's kind of opposite. We talked about in the Wonder Woman one how when we first watched it, we really liked it. And then when we watched it more, we hated it. Um, I was kind of upset at this one. Like, I was leaning more towards the side of really not liking it. But then watching mm-hmm. it another time and talking about it more, um, it's really grown on me. I changed my yeah. reading of it um, because I was like, this is actually better than I'm giving it credit for, I think. I was a little harsh on it the first time. Yeah, I think this movie, when I watched it the first time, I watched it with my sister, and I was just like, oh, that's a cute movie. And then I watched it again with my friends, um, like, a week later, and I was like, oh, I actually like this more than I thought I was going to. Like, very detail-oriented things that I didn't pick up on the first time. Um, Because I think you were talking how, when you watched it, there was something about the cinematography that you were like, it's not good like there's not a lot of pretty shots and scenes in it um but there are things like when I watched it the second time in like like the I guess like the character design that I was like those are really cool details to like put in um so I I I didn't really pay attention that much to the cinematography the first time but it definitely felt just like like it didn't feel like an indie movie I wasn't like oh my gosh it's beautiful like there's some movies where I'm just like oh my gosh it's absolutely beautiful um and this one I was kind of like I couldn't care less about what it looked like I was like "Eh." (laughs) like there wasn't anything special like the Christmas lights I was like I think you could tell it was Christmas but sometimes there's Christmas movies where like the Christmas lights are like really well shot and like the the lighting is really like cute and intimate but honestly they're like not amazing like christmasy decorative decorations or like themes and like scenes and like like the overall frames um which i would have to agree on you it's not like a pretty movie but there were a lot of things after the first time i watched it where i was like oh that's a cool detail to add like i enjoyed that or like comedic things that they did visually in the frame I think the actors did that I thought worked really well um yeah (laughs) and that's from a perspective of liking rom-coms right which yeah I like rom-coms you don't like rom-coms yeah I don't (laughs) I never watch rom-coms me and Serena talked about this before or Serena and I talked about this before um that I think the last rom-com I've ever seen was The Proposal from 2009 (laughs) Um, and we were kind of joking that we would rate this, like, on a scale of, like, one to the, to the proposal, like, the proposal being, like, the best, proposal because the best. I don't have anything to really compare it to, and I think I was kind of harsh on it 
the first time watching it as well because there's some things that rom-coms um expect to get away with that I was like how do they think that this works um but they're not they don't think that it works it's a rom-com and that's, like that's part of the genre yeah. yeah um that's fair yeah so then in rewatching it and kind of taking those things into account um I was able to appreciate it more and enjoy it more um yeah because there were certain scenes that I was like they they could have done a lot more with this there's a scene at the end I'm just gonna jump right into it all the way in um (laughs) the end with John's character talking to Abby after Abby is upset that um Harper didn't had a chance to come out to her family and then didn't and they're speaking and they're having a really intimate conversation and it's just like the ugliest like it's it's a disgusting they're like both visual. completely in shadow and <laughs> yeah, you're like where's like the all light shadowing, <laughs> like green like monochrome like it's yeah. it's horrible there's it's nothing cute like serena said it's christmas time oh, but the nothing around them is decorated it's very dark um i guess it could be argued because the tone of it is dark but this persists this isn't just that scene yeah um, and also like, i would argue that scenes. since they're having like a really intimate and like um like thought-provoking conversation it would have like very um important and thought-provoking cinematography as well but during that scene my first watch I was totally spaced out like I didn't yeah. engage with it at all I was getting bored um there's something so it- actually they use a lot of wide shots in that scene mm-hmm. as well which is really weird for such a close intimate scene as you're saying like it would make a lot more sense to have close-ups of their face talking to each other right but they had like a medium shot and then they had a wide shot of both of them in the frame which was like really (laughs) odd i didn't understand why they wouldn't do like a close-up of both of their faces and their like facial expressions it's a very odd choice in my opinion Um, yeah i feel like that's textbook like when people are emotionally close you do close-ups because they're cozy they're warm it's intimate but then yeah. in that scene, it was like, it was like we were, it, it was, it was almost like a horror movie. <laughs> it was like, they're in the woods, like, you know, Slasher so it, it really didn't touch me. Yeah, I, I feel like um, because I was so critical in that way, like, I didn't appreciate it upon first watch the way that many other people appreciated it. Um, but that's one of the things that I'm just kind of chalking down to. It's a rom-com. They're not trying to win Best Cinematography at the Academy yeah. Awards. Um, it's that's mostly true. about like the characters and like the situations it's more like situational comedy and also situational yeah. romance so i um <laughs> yeah and watching it like a second time i was able to like pick up on those sorts of things and appreciate those but yeah it was it was a bummer of the first one <laughs> not to mention like it was kind of choppy in the way that it would go from like um something funny to something really serious um, yeah yeah it, it was yeah because so normally it's either something that's like really like sad and then there's like the the comedic like payoff or like the comedy relief the kind of like um i forget what the term is what but diffuses like the, the breath after yeah. where you're like oh, okay <laughs> like the exhale um but yeah they would have some scenes where it was like straight comedy and then they would go from that to like straight seriousness and you're just like whoa like i think that also that kind of fed into the like stressful feeling I had during the whole movie because I was like really stressed out like most of the plot is about her being in the closet and not being out to her parents but still being in a relationship at the same time with her girlfriend present and they're not able to like be themselves and then the whole time I'm just like oh my gosh is someone gonna out her like is she gonna like come to terms with it like 
are they going to stay together? Are they going to break up? Like, I'm a little stressed out this whole time. That was kind of triggered. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so stressful. Like, I was, so, yeah. I was stressed out for both of them. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Normally, I don't feel that, like, connected, I guess, to two characters. But I think that's one thing they did really well in this movie is that for both characters, you kind of feel, um, like, both their sides and their point of view. It comes across really well, I think, for both characters. You're very much there for Harper. You're like, oh my goodness totally feel like I totally like get what what she feels about like not wanting to put the pressure on her family not wanting to change anything and like having a family around and like the stress of what happens after that like what will happen and then I totally got like Abby's feeling with being like okay but I'm also part of your life are you covering me up like are we still gonna work I don't know if I can continue pretending and I was that like I thought they did a really great job because a lot of movies you don't kind of get like that duel especially in rom-coms you don't really get that level of emotion um or point of view and perspective from more than one character oh yeah and I do think that was a drawback I think it's okay um for movies to be funny but also deal with like serious topics I definitely think yeah. it's possible so I don't think that's it's something that <laughs> They shouldn't have done it was okay yeah um, it was just like pacing wise it was a little odd yeah it was kind of crunchy <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> um there wasn't uh yeah it didn't it didn't transition very well i don't think and i'm still confused after two watches like why i mean you we kind of had this discussion and you kind of were like um like brought up an answer but then now i'm just i guess i'm presenting it to to provoke thought and also maybe find other answers about why Abby had to why there had to be that scene where Abby steals the necklace like she doesn't oh, steal with it with the twins yeah with the twins and they drop the it in the bag that was like the most misplaced <laughs> it was scene a very in my mind. odd like thing because I, I don't know I, why don't, I feel like it was because they were trying to like make something happen for the family not to like her because abby's like likable i guess and there's no reason for her family for harper's family not to like abby and i guess maybe that was like their way it's a very weird like thing to do like they could have just been like oh you're wearing that like oh maybe she dressed like a poor person because they're like supposed to be rich or something i don't know they're like she looks like a hobo even though it's like a fashion choice (laughs) like maybe that would have been a better way but instead they're like you're a thug you stole from the store and she's like i literally didn't do that it's a very odd scene where she's being like questioned and like yeah. that was i was like okay, these two is this random like a plot but then that kind of really doesn't they come never back. go back to it <laughs> yeah yeah because i guess like in most rom-coms if they do do something like that where it's like a random security guard that you meet like they bring him back for like a secondary like comedic relief like towards the end or like i don't know he shows up at the wedding and you're like oh my gosh it's the security guard or something like that but like yeah they're never there ever again (laughs) like you never see them there's no significance to that other than they don't like abby for like a short period of time for more jokes about abby yeah (laughs) And in my opinion, that didn't really heighten the stakes. Maybe that was the intention as well, to kind of get there to be other conflict. 
Um, yeah, I didn't think that it made anything more tense. It was me just... either. I actually forgot about it, and then there was a scene <laughs> at the end where the twins apologize, and I was like, oh yeah, that happened? That felt like a completely different movie. <laughs> yeah. It was really awkwardly placed and unnecessary. Yeah, it didn't really fit the tone of the movie. Yeah, and it's, it's stuff like that that really like took me out of the experience that I was like, mm, I'm not really feeling it. But then I guess that's, like you said, it's another rom-com thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of good things. Let me. I I keep like <laughs> just ripping apart these movies. Okay, let me think of something I liked. I really I... liked the chemistry between Abby and Riley. That was oh really really good. <laughs> I legit. Okay, I'm gonna be completely honest. I yes. thought that the movie was gonna end with them together, <laughs> and me I'm kind of still upset that they like didn't end up together. Um, yeah. I think that it would have been interesting because like they have okay one they had chemistry just within their conversations and their dialogue but also the way that they like like the cinematography the way that they shot both of them like they had these like close-ups and these glances that I actually legitimately thought they were going to be a couple just because they're generally shots that I would equivalent with like romantic scenes or people that end up becoming partners so it was a little odd like there's a scene when they're walking into the party and Kristen Stewart is like standing at the top of the stairs and Aubrey Plaza's at the bottom and I was like that's some spicy like <laughs> that's some spicy romance like if I were watching any type of movie and that happened I would immediately like tune into okay that's they're a thing they're a couple like that was straight she up, glances like, a down prejudice like yeah he, it he was glances straight. across the ballroom and she's like dancing <laughs> with other people yeah and i was like are you kidding me connect. and she like glances up from her like wine glass and she like does a side eye glance down thing and then they like linger and then they like go back to whatever they're doing and i was like why would they put that in there if they're not going to be together i was so confused why they didn't have together but that might just be because i don't necessarily like harper as much I think you also mentioned this, is that her character felt a little, like, controlling. Yeah. And we couldn't yeah. tell if it was the fact that either she's controlling or she's only being like that because of the way her family is. And we were just kind of, I was wondering the whole Ooh, time, the was way like, is she actually, is. yeah, because her family is very, like, conditional. And they talk about it a little bit in the movie where they, she talks about how love with her family has to be, like, earned and really conditional. And she's never really had like an unconditional type of like experience with love except for with Abby and then I feel like it actually plays in a lot to um maybe it plays in a lot actually with their their relationship because Abby is very unconditional and I may actually like this movie a little bit more now that I'm thinking about this <laughs> this, this fact. <laughs> I just had that like light bulb moment. Is that it's actually very characteristic the fact that she thinks that everything's conditional, and so her relationship with Abby is very unconditional, and it's almost to a fault where she expects Abby to always be there, and then it gets to the point where Abby's like, obviously I have an unconditional love for you. But there do there does have to be there do there does have to be some conditions. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. there's some boundaries that we have to set in place, like and it's kind of their journey with that. It's 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 a little interesting. Um because I know that was a big deal with the end with all the siblings when they're talking about their own 
not necessarily like coming out, but when all their secrets are revealed, except for Jane, because Jane is a precious angel. <laughs> and I love her with all my heart. But when the two older sisters, they were like, yeah, we haven't told you this because you would probably hate us for it or something would change and it would be weird. And I think that's something that even in that intimate moment with Dan Levy and Kristen Stewart, when they were talking that Dan Levy's like, when you came out, your parents still loved you, but not a lot of us get that same story. And so you have to be like compassionate or just like understanding with the fact. And it's like, I, I kind of like the conversation where they have like, I have to be understanding, but at the same time, I can still have my own needs. I liked that a lot about the movie and that those two themes kind of go back and forth throughout the whole film. Um, even in like some of the, like you can see the conditionality of the family change, especially with their reactions to like uh, Abby throughout the movie, like with the, the, um, what you were talking about, the, the necklace. They're like, yeah, okay. Abby's kind of cool. She's dating her. And then they're like, she stole something. <laughs> no, Abby is a, is a big no. And then they start treating her like really weird. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I do like that those themes kind of play back and forth throughout the whole film um, and within like their interpersonal relationships. Maybe that's why she's like that. And I'm like Abby that much as I thought she was controlling, but maybe instead of being controlling, she's just living <laughs> in a conditional love world where she hasn't experienced real unconditional love and isn't used to it. And she's like, like defense mechanism, you know? So I would be more empathetic mechanism. in that way if she were a real person. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but she, since she's this not is all real. made up, I'm like, well, they could have... <laughs> they, they gave her... They gave... Okay, they gave Abby and Riley really good... Um, a really good, like, meet-cute scene. And um, just the talking, they're talking about, um, like, growing up and, you know, their sexuality and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like banter between them, and oh, it's banter. written really well. There's good dialogue. So there's good. nice. There's um, it's the, like the lighting is like really warm and red, and it yeah. there's like um, it creates a mood. All these things work together, and they create a mood. Yeah. And I felt that there was chemistry when they introduce Harper and Abby. They're in the dark. In my opinion, <laughs> I know. First of all, it's ugly. They're at night. <laughs> you can't see them you hear them first yeah it was like unattractive to me because it's like okay so harper and abby are on this christmas tour abby says you know like harper says i know you don't even want to be here but abby's like okay i came for you whatever so i'm like okay strike one like yeah harper's forcing abby to do some shit she doesn't want to do later on they go harper's like let's go climb this house abby doesn't want to do it but harper's like let's do it so abby does it because she loves harper they jump off the roof. Abby doesn't want to do it. Harper's like, get the fuck down here. And so she does it. Abby's like, come, or no, no, not Abby. Harper's like, come to my family's Christmas. Abby's like, I don't want to go. Harper's like, do it. Like, and, and to me, that yeah. was like, all of that dialogue and the fact that there wasn't any mood and the fact that, you know, it's like, like the said, first really three like... scenes of the movie. What happened? Those are like the first big three things that happened in the movie. Yeah, literally too. the first like, scene. It's That's right the first off scene that. of the movie. The first thing you you know about this couple. And to me, I'm like, mm-hmm. this couple's dysfunctional. And I thought, like, as a film, I thought they were handing me this scene to tell me that Abby is going to look for love elsewhere. Because it, it was, <laughs> to me, it was dysfunctional. And so when there came a functional, 
human um, that could potentially be a partner for Abby, as a film viewer, I was like, okay, so they're telling me they're going to be the end game. That that's what, yeah. So that's the way I was following. And when it didn't end up like that, I was kind of upset. Um, and yeah, now that you mentioned it about the Christmas and the way it was really toned down in that first scene as well, there, it was very, yeah, it wasn't they could have really played up pretty. the lights and played up the mood. Yeah. They didn't make any effort to do some that. Some nice <laughs> Christmas songs with like some nice pictures of like lights and like stuff yeah. like that. They do a better Nothing. on Group British Baking Show than they do on, <laughs> on this movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, Bro, how are the British sorry, Baking Show cinematographer? <laughs> I get yeah. more warm feeling vibes from that show, even when it's not Christmas themed, because they have separate <laughs> Christmas themed ones. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So that was my. There's something you mentioned that I was going to. No, go for it. I just wanted to say that I feel bad that I keep just mentioning only problems, but <laughs> I'll, I'll try and think of more positive things. Okay, you go. <laughs> I really enjoyed Aubrey Plaza, just her character alone. Uh-huh. And I thought that she was a really cool, um, like, character to have in this film. Because for both characters, she's kind of, like, the mirror for both of them. Which is something you don't often get to see. Like, often they have a separate character for each one. Or they have a character that they go to for, like, advice or something. But neither of them really go to her for advice or anything. They just kind of have conversations with her. And from the conversations, they both kind of see a little bit of their situations. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting because you don't, you don't see things like that often. Um, or like you have like a parallel to both of them and they'll like one character will see this other character. That's exactly them. And they'll either be like, you're just like me, or they keep trying to convince them that they're not like them, even though they are. Whereas with this movie, you had Riley that had dated Harper and then you have Riley that becomes friends with Abby. And so She's this odd character where she knows exactly what Abby's going through because she dated Harper. And then you have this other dynamic where Riley's always going to be around and she's still an ex and Harper and her have to be like nice to each other because of the way their families are. While at the same time knowing exactly what happened between the two of them and Harper not knowing or Harper not knowing what Abby knows because of um Riley having had these conversations with Abby on the side and so it's really interesting because at the party I think is when you see it the most like right when that happens when um Harper's secret comes out and her sister like outs her and she does the same thing that she did with Riley when they they talk about their backstory Riley had um they had dated and then someone found out and she was like, I'm not gay. She's gay. And like Riley was bullied for being gay. And so at the party when Harper's outed and she's like, what? No, I'm not gay. She's just lying. She's telling you this. They have this scene where they both glance at each other and she's like, I messed up. <laughs> like immediately, like I've messed up and this is wrong. That's I've already done this before. Parallel. I didn't even pick up on that, but you're right. It happens. Like, that's <laughs> she awesome. does that. Yeah. And then, like, you see more of the conversations between Abby and Riley when they're they're at the at the at the bar and they're watching the drag show and they're talking about like the backstory of what happened between them. And then the phone call when she's talking to her friend, she's like, yeah, like, I don't know. She's talking to Dan on the phone, Dan Levy's character on the phone. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. She didn't tell her parents, blah, blah, blah. And then 
like Harper, not Harper, Riley comes in and says, hey, um, I don't mean to eavesdrop, but I kind of, like, I've, I've been where you are, even if I'm, if I don't have all the pieces, I'm kind of sensing that we're similar in this. And so I thought it was really interesting to have a single character that's both a parallel for both main characters at the same time. I thought that was really interesting. You don't see that very often. That was really good. I agree with everything he said. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. It was nice that all of the characters that they did introduce when they just used them for that, um, for, yeah, the progression of the main characters and that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was a prominently um, girl cast, which is cool. Yeah. There were and a even Dan Levy's side, character. Mainly girls. What's cool. his name in the movie? What happened? Dan Levy's character. John. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Just John, not even a last name. name. <laughs> John. Yeah. Um, they utilize him for character growth and development and like explanation as well, which like you wouldn't think until that last scene because he's mainly there for comedic relief, but they do use him to help out Harper and maybe not like as deep as uh, like Riley was, but they're kind of like the, like they're very good friends He's a little bit more of a comic relief, I felt, but he does have some meaningful like perspective to give. And I think he's mainly he's mainly there for like the audience, I felt. Like sometimes you have a character that's supposed to feel like what the character what the audience feels and like reflect what the audience is supposed to like be picking up on. And I thought that he was kind of that that character where you're like, Okay, I'm gonna voice what the audience should feel in this moment. Like, yes, you should feel hurt, but at the same time you should feel um empathy and then like even in the beginning when she's like I'm gonna marry her in the most like straight like hetero way like anti-feminist way possible (laughs) very patriarchy uh subscribed and he's like why which to be honest the way that they marketed this movie a lot of people would be like yeah why is she doing that and so I thought that it was really cool that he's kind of like the voice of the audience in the movie (laughs) Yeah, he, like, he asks all those questions that the audience would ask, but then in that way, like, since they ask it within the movie, then you don't have to ask it. They kind of, like, mm-hmm. pack it away, and then you, you yeah. have less questions. Is there a way know? of, like, addressing everything that might seem a little odd? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Having your talk to yourself randomly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I thought, like, for those reasons, mm-hmm. I really liked the movie, but yeah, mm-hmm. there's definitely, like, the things, like, it's not a pretty movie, there's some odd humor things in it. They did have some good humor in it. They did the full circle joke thing really well. Like where they start with a joke and then they play it through to the end. Like his whole Which bit one? with the fish. Oh, <laughs> Where she's like, you gotta watch my fish. Yeah. And he's like, I'm gonna have my therapist. He's watching the fish now. And I just thought it was so funny. Like it plays through the whole film. <laughs> yeah, that like, was oh, cute. Oh, fish belong in the ocean. Uh, or the part where the fish dies. He's like, yeah, I actually really like this fish. If I wanted to get the same kind, where would I go? <laughs> like, trying to tell her that he... Like, not trying to give away that he killed the fish and trying to replace it. That was funny. <laughs> that no, was a that good was. full circle joke. Also, Jane, with her her book. How she keeps mentioning the book and no one takes it seriously. And then they pay it off at the end with her book actually becoming successful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was sweet. I like that. I really like that for Jane. Jane was probably yeah. my favorite character just because like 
she's so sweet <laughs> and like innocent, I guess. Like she had every reason to not like her family, but she still is so nice and just like warm to everyone. And I like that they gave her like the depth that they gave her in the end when she's like, I'm a part of this family. Like you guys keep I love that. I was like, geez. It's kind of adorable that they, they wanted to make her, like, the weird one of the family. They were like, whoa, this girl's weird. And the weirdest thing they could think of was that she likes books. Like, that was kind <laughs> she likes of funny. Books. She's way too into your personal space. <laughs> I Honestly, to me, it didn't even seem like that. I'm like, okay, she just likes hugs. Like, she was, like, pretty normal. Like, honestly, I she's kind of, like... I hate hugs, so anytime someone's, like, a hugger, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> You're oh, so that worked on space. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought she, I thought she, like the, like yeah. Everyone else kind of seemed like a robot. Like Sloane's yeah. character was very robotic, and like Harper was very like, and I, that was like I think part of the conflict was that they felt like yeah. they had to be robotic and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I'll talk yeah. about it later. But Jane also had the best like little outfits. I'll talk about it in my fashion segment. Oh yeah, should we do it? That. We we do it right now. <laughs> yeah, we can if you want. Okay, Serena's fashion bit. Do, 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 do. I don't know. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make up a <laughs> it's different new every time. every time. Off the top of my head, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's my bit. It's over. So I mentioned that Jane has some of the cuter outfits, more, I guess, like eccentric outfits, and I think that that had a lot to do with her character design. But overall, in the movie, I found it really interesting that between the characters. The characters that are more confident and expressive of like who they are are the ones with better fashion. They have, and it might not even be straight fashion, but they feel more comfortable in their clothes, and it's it's a little bit more obvious. Like, um, and I would say the three most confident characters with who they were was um, John, Jane, and which is like very much part of her character. I think even the parents mentioned they're like, yeah, well, Jane's always just been Jane, and we just kind of gave up on trying to suppress her. <laughs> And that was, like, a huge part of their, like, thing. Um, and then Riley. She was, like, obviously, she was, like, I am me. And I think Alpha Plaza did a great job acting as her. But her outfits were always very chic and posh. And her posture was always really great. Um, and then Jane, like, she's got the... Okay, if I had to rate them, I think she has the best outfits. Uh, because I... I really appreciated that she kind of had that, like, Gossip Girl style with the thick headbands and, like, the, the collar um, over, like, the shirt. She had the Peter Pan collar thing, and it was super cute, and her, like, little skirts and her tights, and I just thought it was really cute. Um, but I also thought that it was interesting that those three characters have the more interesting fashion choices, because you would think that they'd give, like, the main characters uh, better fashion, whereas... They kind of had, like, a boring, like, there was no distinction, really, between the both of them. Like, both Jane and Harper, Jane, both uh, Abby and Harper, sorry, <laughs> both Abby and Harper, they both, like, you could switch their clothing and there would be absolutely no difference between them. Um, both of the parents are very, they're supposed to be, like, really conservative and they fit that part. It's kind of boring. Um, and I just thought it was interesting because you see that... The people around them that are confident in themselves wear more interesting fashion. And I think it's part of the character design, honestly, because a big part of this movie is that 
Harper is hiding herself from her family. So she wears clothes very similar to her family when she's around them. And then by proxy, she also puts <laughs> she also puts Abby back in the closet. And so you can kind of see like Abby also starts to wear clothes that are very similar. They're practically matching like the whole time. Because in the beginning, she's wearing like her beanies and her like, uh, she has this coat that she wears and she has these like tighter pants and it's really chic in the first scene, actually. She's wearing like a more expressive, I feel like more Christian Stewart, like um, kind of an outfit. And then as soon as she moves in with the family, she starts wearing these baggy like t-shirts where she's like covering her hands all the time or like her hands are always in her pocket. She doesn't wear hats anymore and her hair is almost like completely in front of her face for a lot of the time when she's around Harper's family. And I feel like that's a lot of, that's supposed to be, maybe it's not. I've read it as a character design thing and the fact that they aren't able to fully express themselves and be who they are because Harper kind of does the same thing. She wears a lot of coats with her family, a lot of long sleeves, um, and just more like basic clothing instead of something a little bit more interesting that I feel like she wore. Like she she wore something. It was either stripes or like a bolder color in the first scene when you see them. Um, and they're in the Christmas thing. But I just thought that was really interesting for that reason. <laughs> for the reasoning of like the characters that actually do express themselves wear more interesting clothing. Even though like Jane is kind of hated by her family, she also is never as I said earlier suppressed so people think that she's weird for wearing clothes that she likes whereas like when she meets Dan Dan's also wearing his clothes and this is actually completely not a fashion thing but I thought it was great that those two just end up becoming like great friends at the end of the movie (laughs) I thought that was a great touch um but yeah that's all I have for the fashion bit or like the clothing style section um that was something I picked up on that I thought was really cool I was going to say, yeah, no, I think the cloaking thing was really important. I like that you said that they kind of, when they were spending a lot of time together, they they started wearing like similar things. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really telling. <laughs> well, now the most important segment of the whole show is our FMF. FMF. Our fuck, marry, friend zone <laughs> <laughs> with, with the men of the movie. So this movie, who do we have? We have John. Dan Levy, we have Connor, and we have... Connor's Harper's ex, right? Yes. Okay. And, and what, you have the dad? Should we just do the dad? Yeah. Do <laughs> we do the dad? Oh, yeah. Hold up, hold up. Where's my phone? Let me grab the, let me grab the actor. Are there first. any other men in this movie? I don't think so. <laughs> You're like, please, is there any other men? <laughs> let me see. Destroys. <laughs> I'm not sure. Not in the main cast. Okay, so we have Dan Levy as John. We have Jake McDormand as Connor. Um, yeah. There's somebody named Eric. Who's Eric? I don't remember an Eric. Is that is that a the sister's husband? Yes, 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 yes. The sister's husband. Is that him? Oh yeah, I totally forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna just do the dad. So... Yeah, we'll just do the dad. He's he's in it more. He's more meaningful towards the movie's plot. Wow, <laughs> he's like really down there. That's crazy. <laughs> Okay, so we have Victor Garber as Ted. That's the dad. So Ted, John, and Connor. The best Ted, John, best and names. Connor. They really didn't put a lot of effort into these names. <laughs> they didn't. These There's are the no blandest names. 
The only cool names are Riley and Harper. Yeah. Those are <laughs> pretty just... memorable too. I don't know another like That's true. a film with an Abby. I can't That's true. I don't I don't meet a lot of Abbies. Yeah. I will go All first. Right, you go first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um I would fuck I'd fuck Connor. I think. I think I don't he know looks why. like a thumb. Have I mentioned that I think he looks like a thumb? <laughs> yes, you did. Oh yeah, you mentioned that not on this, but yeah. So <laughs> he is not attractive to me. <laughs> I feel Ugh. like he, he looks to me, he looks like the type that's like secretly a freak. Like he'd be like, yo, I respect women, and then he'll he'll, you know, he'll rock your shit. So I fuck <laughs> Connor. And then <laughs> I'd marry the dad, I think, because I need a sugar daddy, so I would marry for <laughs> Like, that, I'm trying to get that, that bread. <laughs> yeah, and then I'd friend, and then zone friend zone John. John. He's a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good guy. Yeah. Your turn. You can, do, you can do Eric if you want. You can do Sloane's husband No, I'll do the want. dad. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to marry him because, honestly, having seen the movie, being in a marriage with him probably would have sucked. Well, you think about it, like, so deeply. <laughs> You're like, what would we be like in 20 years? <laughs> I'd probably friendzone the dad, to be honest. I'd That's valid. I'd screw Connor, because I only have to do that one time. And I'd marry, yeah. I'd marry John, because at least that'd be fun. Like, he's cool. I could live with him. Yeah. We'd secretly judge people in the corner, and it'd be, it'd be a blast. <laughs> Yeah. It would be so much fun. <laughs> it would basically be like being friends. <laughs> it would, like yeah, but I mean, it's like. But he put a ring so. on it, so, <laughs> so it's different. <laughs> That's true. He put a ring on it. Uh, we have yeah. both financial, I guess, means. Right. Uh, it's a mutually respective relationship. Um, right. Yeah. When <laughs> you divorce, you have to split assets. All those fun things. You says we're getting divorced. <laughs> I'm just a pessimist. Don't mind me. Okay. Me and Dan have a great. Me and me and John have a great relationship. <laughs> this is me a fully and, functional marriage. <laughs> yeah, me and Ted. It's not looking good, girl. It's not looking good. He owes me alimony or whatever. I feel like I wouldn't be friends with Ted. So maybe <laughs> similar to like the first podcast episode where i said i was gonna be friends with him but it's not like a he thinks we're friends but we're not actually friends like i wouldn't consider him friends but he thinks we're friends <laughs> wow. Why did again you... only because i love you <laughs> <laughs> all these mans that i'm bringing around so you're like another one like are you serious <laughs> so glad you're a lesbian i would hate every man <laughs> Everyone, oh leave goodness. your FMFs in the comments. <laughs> yes, please play this game along with us. Feel yeah. free to do Eric if you want in the comments. <laughs> if yeah. you're watching this, you don't have to have to play with Ted. It's fine. But it would be fun. <laughs> we would love to see if you did play. <laughs> okay, and then our final segment, which I will introduce. Yay! <clears throat> One day when I um memorize this and I don't have to use my thing that would be awesome okay so to close off our film analysis we're going to discuss how the film passes the Bechdel test um if it does at all 
And for those unfamiliar, I'll go uh, into a bit of a background on the test. Um, it was conceived by American cartoonist and graphic novelist Alison Bechtel in the 1980s as a measure of representation of women within a fictional work. Um, mm. There are three parts to the test. It should feature two female characters. Um, the female characters should talk to each other and their conversation should be about something other than a man, which is very bare minimum. But it is <laughs> shocking how few movies actually pass the test. Uh, not to make it impossible for us, but I added a subtest to the first one. So um, the two female characters have to be named. So for the yes. purposes of our discussion, um, to pass the test, it needs to be uh, it needs to have two named female characters who talk about something other than a man. Yep. And for an example, if this is the first episode you're watching, in the Wonder Woman episode that we did, one of the characters in the movie was just named Handsome Man. So if it's name number like girl number one, girl number two, hot girl or something like that, for purposes of Bechdel test. Plus, that does not count as a character. They have to have an actual name, something like Abby Harper Riley. That's the rules. <laughs> yes. And this movie, like Wonder Woman, passes in the first scene, which is pretty good. Yeah. First. I would hope scene. that a movie yeah. that's supposed to be like a lesbian love story would pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> If it didn't pass the pickle test, <laughs> that would they be never talk. absolutely horrible. <laughs> They're just like, actually, we're straight now, I guess. And we're also 1D women. <laughs> that would be absolutely horrible. No, I would that hate would that. Horrible. Something I also thought would be cool that we could talk about within the Bechdel test was um, like whether or not um, women of color have lines or are featured etc when they have lines and what they are and that kind of stuff yeah they're all white yeah there's the husband and the twins are Um, the only people oh yeah yeah the twins that's it (laughs) i was a little disappointed with that actually i was like dang it's a white movie yeah like by the time aubrey plaza is introduced it's already like pretty late in the movie and they kind of do her character dirty like and not to I girl I'm so on it with like negative shit about this movie and I'm really trying to like it but like the fact that they don't even give her um like a conclusion uh, you last see her like leaving the party but yeah there's so much like that, trauma that she was put through yeah and for so much of, there's no um reparations for her character there's no happy ending for her yeah I'm like so she doesn't just randomly so... run into them like nothing she's never mentioned ever again yeah, that was upsetting to me, and that seemed like an injustice, and I don't want to say it because she's the only person of color, but, like, <laughs> like what? The only woman of color on there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What would you rate the movie? Would I rate it? <sighs> I definitely have already seen it a couple times, and I do like the movie. Um, overall, I pretty high i guess not like ridiculously high um but for like like i like rom-coms so i would watch it again um and i think that it had some pretty cool meaningful like plot not maybe not plot but like script script wise i thought it was really good um and like i liked all the characters they're really interesting like none of them were boring and even if they were boring it was like they were supposed to be if that makes sense like none of them felt like you weren't supposed to understand any of them um yeah i'd probably give it like a (sighs) i'm going between like a 7.5 and an 8 
Because I feel like eight's too high, though. But it's definitely not like a six. I was going to give it a six. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I would watch it more than one. Like, I would add it to my list of, like, holiday movies to watch because I thought it was really fun. And, I don't know, I like having a little bit of diversity in my Hollywood movies. (laughs) Not just, like, a hetero straight couple. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But it had all the elements of, like, like a rom-com that I thought was fun. Um, And it was cute. It was really cute. I'll give it a... Yeah, I'll give it a 7.5. Mainly just because there were some, like, like the scene, yeah, there were, like, some things where I was just like, it's not that pretty, um, and I think that she should have ended up with Riley in the end. I think, I think Abby and Riley should have ended up together. For that reason, it does not rank as high. (laughs) I feel that. Yeah, I have to rank it higher than Wonder Woman, because I liked it better than Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, and I would rewatch it more. So I'm gonna say six. I just have too many problems with it for to rank it any higher. Maybe it'll change. Honestly, and you don't like rom coms. <laughs> and you don't like rom coms. I know. It's such a bummer. But honestly my, my ratings change all the time because like if you would have asked me when I first saw it, I would have given it like two stars. I hated it. I was like, this movie sucks. But like in rewatching it and like talking about it, I like appreciate it a lot more. So who knows? Honestly, I could go back to like actually it's not that good and then rate it low later. But like in the yeah. moment right now, I'm gonna say like six. Like it's really fun. Yeah. It's not perfect, but I'll watch <laughs> it again and I'll enjoy it. So <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Do right, well... oh, wait for today's movie recommendations. Yeah. Find them. What are some other movies? If you enjoyed Happiest Season 2020, I recommend for you the film Bend It Like Beckham, directed by Grinder Chada. <laughs> uh, came out in 2002. She is a woman director. Um, it's a film about a girl She's who awesome. is from a conservative family, and she likes soccer. They don't want her to play soccer. Um, and it uh, could be metaphoric. Um, she has a friend throughout the movie, played by Kira Knightley, um, and there's a lot of lesbian subtext and the characters in the movie actually think <laughs> that they are lesbians. So it's a really cool movie. Um, I really enjoyed it. It has like rom-com, um, attributes. So that was a really fun one. And I would also recommend the film, But I'm a Cheerleader, directed by Jamie Babbitt, which came out in 1999. Um, that film features Clea Duvall, the director of Happiest Season. She is an actress in the movie. Mm-hmm. That one deals with really heavy uh subject matter as well but they give it a rom-com twist so if you like when there is very serious um issues presented on screen but they kind of uh throw in jokes then i would definitely recommend that one those are my recommendations for you all and then jamie babbitt is queer herself so i really enjoyed that movie too that's cool I think I had one, and it wasn't really, and I guess it had more to do with, like, the theme of, like, the the coming out story and, like, the coming of age kind of thing, um, was Love, Simon, because they both kind of deal with the, the issues of, like, coming out, whether or not, like, other people are allowed to do it for you, and, like, the pressures of all of that. Um, so equally as triggering (laughs) is Love, Simon, um... And I think it's it's not as, like, rom-com-y. It's definitely more coming of age. It's set in high school, so it's definitely, like, 
he got all the the elements of like a coming of age story but it does have the same kind of themes of like a coming out story um which honestly we can stray from that i think as hollywood when it comes to lgbtq plus films but it is nice that like like those are films that like other people can watch i guess because like i don't know some people really relate with those kind of kinds of films um i always love a good coming of age film movie i think those are great <laughs> so give it a watch if you like um yeah i don't have i think that's it not the end i think that's it for this one yeah i think we're done with this podcast so thank you guys so much for listening or watching if that's how you're doing it interact with us in the comments recommend us movies actually if you enjoy the first two episodes of this uh or you just think we're fun i don't know or if you have any movies that you would like us to talk about uh we would love your recommendations but remember for purposes of this podcast centered around women directed by written by or starring a woman please (laughs) um so yeah we definitely love watching movies so even if we don't uh review it we will probably give it a watch at some point um yeah thank you guys for watching this um and have a good rest of your day